Back on the record in 14 CR 1432, Mr. Jones does appear in custody. He is represented by Ms. Smith and also Mr. Colvin, Mr. Rubenstein, and Mr. Waite are both here for the people and we're outside the presence of our jury. Are we ready for our jury, Mr. Rubenstein? We are, Judge. I just want to let the court know um, Mr. Carruth is present. He is flying out of here at 6 in the morning and so I have obtained permission from defense counsel to take him out of order. Um, before investigative Norcross launches into the other PowerPoint. So I'll just explain to the jury if that's okay with the court um, that, that that we needed to do that or if the court wants to. And I don't know if Mr. Coleman will want to make any additional record or say anything else to them, but I'll give some explanation as to what's going on. Okay. Normally I would just tell the jury that the parties have agreed uh, due to witness scheduling issues to allow to, you to switch to a different witness and but I don't know if that's okay with the defense. Or. I think my preference is that it come from the court in this reference that Ms. Norcross will be coming back once we're done with this other witness. Mr. Evans, All that's right, fine. thank you. Are we ready for our jury? Yes. yes. All right, thanks. Please be seated. And for the record, our jury has now joined us back in the courtroom. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Investigator Norcross was on the stand when we took our break, but due to a witness scheduling issue, the parties have agreed that the prosecution can call another witness. After that witness is completed, then Investigator Norcross will retake the stand. Mr. Rubenstein. Thank you, Your Honor. You're welcome. The people call Joseph Carruth to the stand. Thank you. You'll just be careful this black cord, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks. Do you solemnly swear or affirm under penalty of perjury the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Thank you. Thank you, sir. If you have a seat in the green chair by the microphone, please. And then you can proceed whenever you're ready, Mr. Rubenstein. Thank you, Your Honor. Thanks. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. What is your name? 
Joseph Warren Carruth. Can you spell your last name? C-A-2-R-U-T like Tom, H like house. Where do you live? I live in New Mexico. Did you, well, how long have you lived in New Mexico? Mm, six years. This time. <laughs> Previous to that, did you? I used grandpa? to spend every summer down there because my grandpa, before he passed away, he owned a ranch, and now I run it. Now, you run the ranch? Now I do. Okay. And prior to moving to New Mexico, did you live in Grand Junction? I did. Uh, did you, what years did you live in Grand Junction? I believe it was 93 to 2007. Did you call about when in 2007 you moved? It was October-ish. Okay. Uh, did you know Paige Bergfeld? I did. How did you know her? I initially met Paige because our sons were on a soccer team together. Did you ever do anything socially with her? I did. Uh, me and my wife were not married at the time, and she informed me that there would be a soccer party. Where was that soccer party? It was at her home. You attended it? I did. Your kid or kids? My son. Your son attended as well? Um, at some point after that, well, at some point after that, did you ask her out? I asked her out probably that day. Later on when I got home, I called her. And how did, how did that Oh, she turned me go? down. Just, she's very nice about it, and, you know, just, no, she wasn't ready to get involved. She had been in marriages and just okay. didn't want nothing like that. So. At some point after that, did you call a number of an escort service? I did. And did she arrive? She's the one who showed. How did that go? Uh, initially, very plastic-faced, just kind of didn't want me to know that, she was who she was and it kind of worked for a minute and then and then I realized who it was okay. did it did the tension break after that in the interaction yeah pretty much okay and you paid for services right it was a massage okay um, that actually occurred the day before she went missing is that yes correct? sir did you have any other interaction or contact with her after no, sir. That? What about telephone contact? The following day, we played phone tag. What was the purpose of that phone tag? We had discussed the prior evening about me possibly being a dancer for her at bachelorette parties. Okay. And I know there's no way I'm going to be able to say this or do this without it sounding disparaging, but when I think of a massage, when I think of a bachelorette party dancer, you are not what immediately came to mind. I pulled a photograph of what you look like in 2007. May I approach, owner? Yes, sir. Um, I'm handing you as Mark People's Exhibit 305A. Did I previously show this to Defense Counsel? Okay, thank you. Is that what you look like in 2007, sir? It is. Okay. Your Honor, at this time I'd move to admit People's Exhibit 305A. Do you have an objection, Ms. Smith? No. 305A is admitted. Okay. And, Your Honor, I'm wondering if the bailiff, I don't have this electronically, I'm wondering if the bailiff can just hand this so that the jury can look at it briefly. Thank you. Maybe if she can just walk in front of the jury box for us.
Thank you. Or the uh, bailiff has published 305A to our jury. Thank you. Up there is fine. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Kruth, would, how would you describe your physique back then? Very muscular, very well built. Um, that's, I don't know, I'm not going to brag. Just, <laughs> I was told I was good looking, so there you go. Understood. Okay, yeah. so um, this phone contact that occurred on the 28th, do you recall who initiated it? I thought it was her that had called me uh, asking if I was ready to do it that quick, you know, ready to just jump in. And I had a little trepidation, so I said I didn't really know. Did you have several phone calls back and forth? Right, and it was basically phone tag in the last phone call. The last phone conversation that I did recall of any substance was that she would call back with the location, and in my mind, it was more like I was going to give her a decision if I wanted to do it. I think I understand what you just said. Okay. The, the, at the point that this was nearing the end, she thought she was calling you with an address, and you thought you were still waiting to tell her if you were willing to. Right. Ultimately, did you tell her? No, we never. You never had. You never, never. did finally tell her no? I don't. Never told her no and never got an address. Did it appear from the conversation that she had a bachelorette party that she needed somebody to dance for coming up quickly? I, uh, the gist of the conversation was that it was coming up quickly. I don't know when. Okay. After that, did you have any other contact with her of any sort? None. Okay. Uh, thank you, sir. I have no further questions. Okay. Cross-examination, Ms. Smith. Whenever you're ready, please. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Cruz. Good afternoon. Okay. So before you hired Ms. Bergfeld as a prostitute, you knew her previously, right? I did. Okay. And you knew her because your kids played together on the same soccer team? Yes, ma'am. And you were interested in dating her, right? Yes, ma'am, after going to the soccer party that day. Okay. And after going to the soccer party that day, you were attracted to her? Yes, ma'am. And so you wanted, you wanted to date her? Yes, ma'am. And you asked her out on a date? Yes, ma'am. And she declined? Yes, ma'am. So at this... The soccer party was at her house. Yes, ma'am. And so you'd been to her house? That day. Okay. And so you knew where she lived? Yes, ma'am. Now, this pool party was actually just a couple months before she went missing, right? I, it was a long time ago. I was, I don't know if it was the fall season or the spring season. Um, and it would have been at the end of one of those seasons, right? I'm assuming. Okay, to celebrate the end of the season? I'm assuming. I don't know. Okay. So if it was the end of the spring season, it could have been like May or June of 2007? I'm sure that's possible, but... 
now that you put it in in that time of that frame of chronology uh it doesn't it, it doesn't seem like it would make sense for her because it would seem like in that short amount of time period if i saw her after calling for the massage it would seem that my brain would recognize her immediately i see so i i'm thinking that that party probably would have been in the fall okay this is an outdoor pool right it was an outdoor pool okay so you think she had a pool party in the fall in grand Jardin? i guess you're right that would make sense okay so we're thinking spring of 2007 right possibly okay and it's going to be a little bit warmer because it's a pool party outside yes ma'am okay now at this party part of the reason that you you did you got up the nerve to ask her out was she was flirting with you at the party right i wouldn't say she was necessarily flirting she was just a nice person okay well you said that she was flirtatious before right you used the word flirtatious before evidently she must have given me enough of a reason to think that it would be probably a good idea for me to ask her out okay. i must have gotten that idea in my brain okay so you got that idea in your brain you acted on the idea right you have to say yes or no yes i did okay she turns you down right yes ma'am and that's obviously a disappointment for you a minor one she was very nice about it she wasn't okay. rude a minor disappointment but you've gotten up enough nerve to call her after the pool party ask her out she says no right right now not too long after this um you hire ms bergfeld as a prostitute right i called a for a massage a massage okay and that was actually june 27th of 2007 right i am supposing that's what it was okay and that was the night before she went missing okay right i don't know when she went missing ma'am you don't know that you were with her the night before she went missing i i found out about it maybe a week later okay so you found out that you were with the woman who went missing the night before she went missing a week later right okay. or whatever yeah so you're aware that you were with ms bergfeld the night before she went missing right and she came to your house actually right yes this, this yes your sure location. And she was at your house the night before she went missing from about 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Is that right? That sounds about right. So for about an hour? Sounds about right. And when you hired her, you paid her $200. Yes, ma'am. And that was well worth it to you, right? Uh, I... Uh, evidently I said so okay well do you disagree with what you've said before no it's fine we can go ahead and say that okay so it was worth it to as you say throw her two hundred dollars for her to take her clothes off yes ma'am and in fact it was just a massage right it was a massage with a happy ending ma'am oh yeah that's right um and what does that mean happy ending? it means uh manual stimulation on myself with her hand okay on your penis yes ma'am and you actually wanted to have sex with me no ma'am 
You didn't. I wasn't. I'm not even the one who initiated that when we came to the massage. She offered the nude for the $200 thing. Okay. So and that's she, when I said sure. Okay, so she offered you more services for more money? Yes, ma'am. And you were willing to yes, pay the more money to get more services? Yes, ma'am. But it's your testimony today that you didn't ask to have sex with No, ma'am. So you don't know why the very next day she would have told the man she was with that you did ask her for sex. I don't know why she would say that. Objection, Your Honor. I'd ask that be stricken. That assumes facts, not an evidence. Or as otherwise, Ms. Smith testifying. The objection sustained. The jurors to disregard the last answer and question. Thank you. Okay, so after asking Ms. Bergfeld out on a date and being turned down, and then hiring her for a massage with a happy ending, she then wants to hire you to dance at Bachelor Rest. Yes, ma'am. And so that's why the two of you were speaking the day she did go missing, was to arrange for these, decide if you wanted to work for her for these bachelorette parties. Yes, ma'am. And there were several phone calls that day back and forth between the two of you? Yes, ma'am. And I, did I understand that, to your recollection today, you don't recall telling her you didn't want to dance for her? I don't believe I ever got the opportunity. Okay. Well, you testified in this matter before, right? Yes, ma'am. I don't, if I said that, I don't know if I said that or not. Okay. So you don't remember when you testified before, it was a few months ago, right? Right, but the phone calls were 10 years ago. Yeah, I, get, I understand the okay. phone calls were a long time ago. But I guess you can't remember what you testified to a few, a few months ago. <laughs> Not especially. Okay. So you don't know if what you testified to a few months This ago, is one thing in the whole testimony. Right. I understand. It's kind of minor. Okay. It's minor to you, obviously. But I guess I just want to make sure that your testimony today is that you can't remember if you're testifying differently today than you did just a few no, I'm trying to testify about 100% with honesty and truth. That's all I really want to give you. But you're not sure if it's different than it was a few months ago. Can you rephrase the question and, and try to get to the point of what you really want out of me? What I really want out of you, Mr. Carruth, is if you don't know today if you're testifying differently than you did just a couple months ago. Don't know. Um, no, okay, well, let's, let's, uh, right, you don't remember. No, my understanding, my understanding of the phone calls was that we initially talked in the morning about me being a dancer for her at a bachelorette party and then several phone calls thereafter of phone tag. Okay. And in the time between the last testimony I've had here and today, I have had time to reflect. 
and think about those days, that particular day. And what I have come up with is that I never got an address where, there, where this bachelorette party might be. And I don't believe I ever got the opportunity to tell her I did not want to dance for her. Okay. So when you testified before a few months ago, you didn't have this time to reflect? I guess I hadn't had that question pondered to me or thrown before me or made me want to focus on it. Okay. Well, and that's interesting. You've had time to reflect, but you also admit that 10 years ago is hard to remember. Right. Now, Mr. Carruth, are you aware that Ms. Bergfeld, are you aware that Ms. Bergfeld had the most airtime or talked to you for the longest period of time that day as compared to any of her other clients? Objection relevance. Ms. Smith. Your Honor, I think, I think the relevance is what he, know, what he knows about the amount of time he spoke with Ms. Bergfeld is relevant. I'll withdraw the question, Your Honor. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, let me ask you this, Mr. Cruz, actually. Um, I understand that your I understand that your memory is a little foggy today. Or wait. Actually I don't understand. We agree that you met um, you hired Ms. Bergfeld and discussed with her being a dancer for her almost ten years ago, right? Do you have to say yes or no? Yes. And your memory is not great about what occurred 10 years ago. Yes, ma'am. But yet somehow your memory has gotten better over the last few months about what happened 10 years ago. No, just in regards to that one question, um, for my own sake, I sat and thought about what were those phone calls about? Um, what? What, if anything, you know, did I get any closure from her? And, and no. Okay. I never got any, any additional information. Okay. And I never really got to say no. Okay. And your recollection is, is that the two of you mostly played phone tag that day? Yes, ma'am. Okay. We, we, I think we may have talked twice, three times at most. Okay. But, okay, so I guess I'm confused. Phone tag, is phone tag... You leave a message, then she leaves a message back. No, I didn't even leave messages. I think it was just caller ID. I saw she called, so I called back. Okay. And you did, in addition to playing phone tag, you actually did talk to Ms. Bergfeld that day. Right? Evidently. Okay, you don't remember having conversations? I don't remember a lot of it, no. Okay. I really don't. So you don't remember having lengthy, multiple lengthy conversations with Ms. Bergfeld that day? I thought... Uh, out of the phone calls, there might have been a couple times we talked, and most of them we did not. Okay. So if the phone records from Ms. Bergfeld's phone and your phone indicate that there was a lot of airtime between the two of you where you were talking to her and she was talking to you, that wouldn't really support what your recollection is. 
objection, relevance, judge, and also ask new approach. Yes, sir. Feel free to stretch, everybody. Thank you. Yes, sir. The objections are overruled. Okay, Mr. Cruz. So what I what what I had asked you is um, if if you're indicating today that you recall mostly playing phone tag with Ms. Bergfeld. You remember having a couple conversations with her that day, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So you don't know why the phone records would reflect that you had, like, you don't know why the phone records would reflect significant or noteworthy airtime between you and Ms. Bergfeld. No, I do know why there would be significant, because we must have talked a couple of times. I've, okay. I've disclosed this. Okay. So in addition to paying her for a massage and a happy ending the night before she goes missing, you also spoke with her a few different times the day she goes is that correct? If that's the day she went missing, then yes. This is something else I'm curious about. Was it your testimony today that you left Grand Junction in October of 2007? If the month isn't spot on, um, let me really think about this. This is the year my, my grandfather passed away. Well, he passed away in 08. I went down there because he had cancer. Um, well, Mr. Cruz, 
Rubin, my question was if you just now testified when Mr. Rubin. Well, I may have said October, but I don't know if it was September. Could have been August, September that year. I don't know. Okay. It could have been a little bit earlier. Sure. Okay. But, um, but you felt pretty comfortable telling the DA it was October. <sighs> Once again, it was a long time ago, ma'am. Okay. When you, you remember speaking with law enforcement in this case, right? I do. And that, you spoke with them in 2009? I believe the last time you were talking to me about this, um, you had established it was just inside of, just inside of 2009, was it not, in January? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right, so... Um, when you spoke with law enforcement in January of 2009, you actually told them that you had left Grand Junction in August, September, right? And that's probably more accurate. Okay. Because it was closer to the time. I'm sure I would have had a better memory back then for it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense that your memory would be better back then, closer sure. in time. Junction, I asked that be stricken as testimony. Okay. I'll withdraw that soon. Uh, the jurors are to disregard uh, Ms. Smith's last comment. Thank you. Um, but so you left, so August, September 2007, when you go down to New Mexico, is not too long after Ms. Bergfeld went missing, right? Correct. Just about a month or two. Uh, well, when did you say it was? Well, I can't answer questions, Mr. Cruz. Okay. But, um, let, it was just a month or two after you had hired her, right? Um, we're, what are we, what's our target date for me going to New Mexico? My question for you, Mr. Carruth, is if you left Grand Junction to go to New Mexico mm -hmm. just a couple months after you had hired Ms. Bergfeld. Right. Is that accurate? It wouldn't matter if it is. I didn't do anything to her, but let's go for it. Sure. Okay. I understand that that's what you're testifying to, but my question is... Sure. It's two months then. Okay. If that's what you want, it's two months. Well, Mr. Cruz, what I'm asking is for what your memory is, right? It, I told you it was either August, September-ish. And I know you're telling me that I initially told uh, Mr. Rubenstein that it was October this time. I'm sorry. Okay. So, but you concede then that when you're talking to the DA, you make the time. I'm not trying to fabricate time patterns, ma'am. I'm just really not. Okay. But you agree that when you talked to law enforcement in January of 2009 and told them that you left for New Mexico, August, September. Then that's got to be accurate. Okay. Yes. And also after you moved to New Mexico, you canceled your cell phone, right? It doesn't work on the ranch. Okay, but my question is after you moved... Yes, ma'am, I did cancel it. When you moved back to Grand Junction in 2009, you were actually transient and homeless, right? Not really. Objections overruled. What was your answer, Mr. Cruz? Not really? No.
Well, let me, so what do you mean by not really? You weren't I have family here. Okay. But you didn't really have your own place. No, I didn't have my own place. Now, Mr. Kruth, you don't trust the system, right? Objection, relevance. The objections overruled. Is that an accurate statement, Mr. Kruth, that you don't trust the system? Kind of a broad question. Can you rephrase it and maybe get a little more focused so you, I can see where you're coming from upon it? Well, let me ask you this. When you spoke with law enforcement in January of 2009, you you told the investigator that you don't trust the system, right? I had just come off of a $10,000 embezzlement by an employee writing checks left and right. I had given them a stack of evidence. I would given them audio tapes. I would given them everything on a silver platter to convict this guy, and nothing happened. Okay. So, you, yeah, I was very mistrusting at that time. Very. Okay. And so when you got called in for questioning about Ms. Bergfeld... I thought it was about that. Okay. I didn't even think it was about, so go ahead. Well, the question is, is when you got called in for questioning by law enforcement about Ms. Bergfeld, you were reluctant to come in. I don't think I was reluctant. I was just trying to establish, had they done anything with the evidence I'd given them? And it just kept pushing in that direction, and they kept just not giving answers, being very, very snaky, not saying anything. Is that about your other case? It was about the other case, and it was upsetting. Okay. But, Mr. Cruz, I want to talk to you about what you recollect about going in to talk. Once I was aware of what it was, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't nearly as, as uh, irritated, let's say. Okay. So the law, do you remember it was a female law? Uh, female yes, ma'am. It was a female that, that questioned me. Okay. Sure. Do you remember her getting in contact with you by phone before she called you in for questioning? I don't. I, I guess we may have talked briefly, but I, I thought the initial contact with her was with my brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, but when you show up and have the initial contact with the female investigator, at that point you know it's about Ms. Bergfeld and not the embezzlement. No, I didn't know that until I walked in that room and she had set, locked the doors and sat me down and then showed me a picture and said, what do you know about this lady? I see. She didn't say... I'm no, I didn't know anything. So, when you first got called in for questioning on this case, you didn't want to cooperate, right? That's, that's not exactly accurate when I wasn't given the exact reason I was being talked to. Okay, so for whatever reason, though... I gave you the reason. It was because I had been bezeled and I'd given all the evidence on a silver platter and I was basically had a thumb in the air like they weren't going to pay attention to me. Okay, and that's why you weren't... I was very irritated. Okay, and then that's why you weren't cooperative with law enforcement when they first contacted you about this. Yes, ma'am. And then as you... And to be specific, the way in which you weren't cooperative is that that female investigator had to contact you several times to get you in for an interview, right? I don't think that's accurate. And when you did finally come in for the interview, you came in with your brother, right? I did. He drove me down there. And you actually wanted him to sit in on Yes, ma'am, I did. Well, let, let me finish, if you don't mind. You actually wanted him to sit in on your interview, right? Yes, ma'am. 
Now, based on your close contact with Ms. Bergfeld around the time she went missing, you realized that you could be a suspect in this case, right? Can you rephrase the question? Okay. Well, you knew that you had hired her around the time she went missing, right? Is that true? You, you realized that you had hired her. I realized this. What? What's your point? I mean, I realized it immediately. Later on, well, I don't. I don't understand the angle of the question. Okay, you remember when the news reported Ms. Bergfeld missing? Yes, ma'am. I remember that. And when you re when you hear the news that she's missing, you think I had just been with that woman. I had just hired her the day before, right? Yes, ma'am. And you think to yourself, I called her the day she went missing. I didn't know that I called her the day that she went missing, but I'm sure that I was one of the last people that had called her. I was aware of that, yes. Right. Okay, and that your number would be on her phone right Yes, ma'am. And so based on this, you thought that you could be a possible suspect in law enforcement's eyes. No, I really never thought I would be a suspect in law enforcement's eyes. Okay. So you didn't tell Investigator Gerald that when you spoke with her on, okay, hold one second. I think her question to me, if I can beat you to the punch, is she asked me why I did not call her knowing this. And I said, I, I feel completely innocent, don't have nothing to do with it. Why would I call? Okay. It doesn't exactly answer my question, because my question was if you remember on January 27th of 2009, when you were being interviewed by Investigator Gerald at the Mesa County Sheriff's Office, saying to her that you thought that you looked like a possible suspect. I didn't say I looked like a possible suspect. I said that I understood that if I was one of the last people on her phone record, that it would make sense that I would be a suspect just simply by circumstances. Okay. And then, given the fact that you weren't immediately contacted by law enforcement, you were actually shocked and amazed. Very amazed. Okay. That they hadn't contacted you sooner. Yeah. I was amazed I'd been contacted at all. <laughs> but didn't you actually say that you were actually shocked and amazed that law enforcement had not contacted you before January of 2009? If I did, I did. Okay, you don't remember I saying don't remember that. that. So you don't remember saying that you were shocked and amazed that law enforcement hadn't contacted you sooner, given the fact that you had had contact with Ms. Bergfeld so close to her disappearance? Like I said, I really wasn't all that surprised because I knew I had nothing to do with it. Okay. I have nothing else to do. Mr. Rubenstein. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Carruth, Ms. Smith asked you a question about whether or not you'd be surprised if you had significant, lengthy conversations with Ms. Bergfeld. Would looking at your phone records tell you whether or not you ever had significant, lengthy conversations with Ms. Bergfeld? I thought we had gone over that on the screen last time, the, the, the durations of all those. May I approach, Your Honor? Yes, sir. I'm going to share your microphone if that's all right. Mm -hmm. 
Are these the records for your phone? Where's the phone number? No. This is not your phone? No. If that's the phone number we're going off of, that is not my phone. Um, so your phone is, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's records for your uh, phone? That would be it. Okay. And does that look like the phone number June 27th you had no, contact, not me. contact with Ms. Bergfeld? I don't know that number. I, I only know my own number. I was tell you, it's previously been introduced into evidence that Ms. Bergfeld's number is 216-7460. Okay. And these are your records that show that you talked to her on the 27th minute duration of call? Okay, yes, yes. How Makes long, sense. How long is that call? Uh, two minutes. And that call? One minute. And then on the, and then another one on the... 27th? Two minute. If you on the 28th? One minute, one minute, two minute, two minute. Is that all of them? That's it. So the longest call you ever had with her was two minutes? Right. In your estimation, is that significant, extensive phone calls? That doesn't seem like a lengthy phone call. Nothing could be done. That's the three cross. Mr. Kruth, you don't know how long added up those times that you spoke with Ms. Bergfeld compared to the amount of time she was talking to other clients. Objection, that day. irrelevant, whether or not he's aware of how long other people spoke to Ms. Bergfeld. The objection sustained. Okay. I have nothing. Anything else, nothing Mr. Rubenstein? Is he under subpoena? He is, and he may be released from subpoena. Any objection, Ms. Smith? No. You're released from your subpoena and free to go, sir. Thank, Thank you. you, Your Honor. You're welcome. Recall. Sorry, never mind. But are you recalling Investigator Norcross, yes. Mr. Rubenstein? Thank you. Feel free to stretch if anybody wishes. Thank you. Investigator. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Thank you. I think where we left off is we were about to start talking about Exhibit 311. Okay. And with the court's permission, if I can publish 311. Any objection? All right. Thank you. 311 is uh, free to be published. Thank you. May I approach on
Okay, you previously testified that the cover page of this was color-coded. Bless you. Was color-coded so that different people had different colors. Is this, is this what you were referring to? Yes, it's a, it's a way for me to keep track of things. Okay, and was this what you were referring to when you were worried that it might not be able to be that visible with the lights? Yes. Okay. So, again, I would invite if the jury has difficult difficulty seeing it to please let us know. Um, okay, investigator, let's talk about the various people on this list. Okay. Uh, up top it says Bergfeld, is that Paige Bergfeld? Yes, and that would include, that coloring is going to include either phone. Okay. Uh, Mr. Beagler? Yes. Mr. Coraluzzo, who is Mr. Coraluzzo? He was a gentleman that was uh, identified as making numerous phone calls to her, um, specifically, on, I think, on the 27th and 28th. And next to Coraluzzo, it says Sarzosa and Adamson. Why is that? Um, through the investigation, we um, identified that Mr. Coraluzzo had used um, a person's phone named Sarzosa, which is a home phone, and a cell phone, I believe, owned by uh, another person named Adamson. My understanding is he, um, he identified that he had used all these phones, so I put them all under him. He's the person using those phones, calling, concerning the calls to Ms. Bergfeld. Okay. So based on the investigation, you had determined that Ms. Sarzosa, that's Marilyn Sarzosa? Yes. And that Marilyn Sarzosa had not, based on your investigation, made any attempts to call Ms. Bergfeld's Models Inc. phone, and that Mr. Coraluzzo had acknowledged that he had from that phone so you attributed any calls of that number to him? Is yes. That accurate? Yes. Same thing with Tracy Adamson? Yes. And Tracy Adamson was his girlfriend? Girlfriend at the time, I believe. Okay. Dixon? That's um, Rob Dixon, the, one of the ex-husbands of Ms. Bergfeld. Okay. It says Motel 6, and then next to that in parentheses it says Livingston. Yes, because there's a person we interviewed um, that advised us he had used that phone, and actually he's the one on that made the first phone call that's on the voicemail saying, hi, this is John, I'm at Motel 6. Okay, and he identified the room number and asked if somebody was coming? Yes, in that voicemail, yes. Okay, now Motel 6, that is a landline? Yes. Um, is it a trunk line? Yes, uh, sorry, yes. So a trunk line, it just comes into a main number and then goes to the rooms. Um, okay. You're not going to get any records from that kind of stuff. So you attribute that to Mr. Livingston based on interviews? Yes. Based on the actual records, it just came from a landline associated with the Motel 6, not particularly any room? Correct. Okay. Uh, Mr. Zotto? Yes. Um, that's another person that was identified. Uh, there's a phone number in the records, and through that phone number, that person was identified as belonging to that phone number. Okay. And that phone, is that a landline or a cell phone? Landline to a home. Okay. Mr. Carruth. Yes. The jury just heard from Mr. Carruth, so I'll skip him. Okay. Um, Lester Jones' personal cell. Yes. And that's the one that you talked about before that when you were talking about Mr. Jones and Mrs. Jones' personal cells. That's the, um, that's the personal cell? Yes. Okay. And then Elaine Jones' personal cell. And yes. then... Walmart track phone. Yes. That was the track phone that you talked about, the five phone calls. Correct. Okay. Uh, Ms. Watson, if I could go to the next slide. 
Okay, so this is just Thursday, June 28th, beginning just past midnight. Correct. Um, explain what we're looking at here. So what I tried to do with this is give you the time and the direction of calls that are being made. Um, so you can see that at about um, 12.30 in the morning, uh, Ms. Bergfeld calls Mr. Beagler a couple times. Her phone is hitting off of the North Commercial Drive cell tower. His phone is hitting off of locations in Aurora. So does Ms. Bergfeld place most of the calls, calls or are most of the calls placed to her? It's back and forth. Uh, just in general for the whole list? Uh, it's, it's back and forth. Okay. So Ms. Bergfeld just becoming June 28th is in Grand Junction. That's, yes. You said that's the tower closest to her house? Yes, it is. And then Mr. Beagler's tower is in Aurora. Do you know if that's the tower closest to his house? I don't know that. But you were aware he was living roughly in that area then? I know he lives in Aurora. I, I don't know where. I don't recall. Okay. So she called him at 12.28 and then again at 12.31. Okay. And do you know if a conversation ensued at that point? Uh, I believe. May I check my records? Would that refresh your memory? Yes. So it's not on this chart, but I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions about whether or not conversations ensued. Okay. If you need to get those out. I might try to use this one. A couple different copies of the same thing. So the first conversation here at 12.28, um, it's about 108 seconds long. So possible conversation, I would say. Uh, the second one I would definitely say is conversation. It's about 800. 81 seconds long. Okay. And then there's two phone calls that say Cora Luzo calls Bergfeld and it went to voicemail, so I guess it won't. How do you know it went to voicemail? Because of her records, it indicates that. There's no tower and it, and it gives you the direction that it got message forwarded, which is to voicemail. Okay. So Mr. Cora Luzo called her, but they did not speak. Correct. Twice. Correct. Um, 2.23 in the morning, she checks her voicemail. Correct. Okay. So she... when you check your voicemail on your phone, then you're using your phone so it hits off of a tower. So it's hitting off of the same tower that it was, what is that, two hours earlier? Okay. But after that, she makes no phone calls? No. The next, no. She, she doesn't check her voicemail and then start calling people back. She just checks it? Correct. Okay. And then one, two, three, four... Looks like four phone calls from Mr. Coraluzo again to voicemail, so I won't ask you if anyone spoke. And that all occurred, looks like, between 2.25 and 3 o'clock in the morning? Yes. Okay. Then, looks like there's a break. <coughs> Go to the next slide, Ms. Watson. Okay. So what are we seeing here? So at 7.49 in the morning, uh, Ms. Adamson's phone, which Mr. Coraluzo you was using called Ms. Bergfeld's phone and again it went to voicemail. Okay. Um, and so still they have not spoken. Correct. Okay. At 9.09 in the morning, uh, Mr. Bigler calls Ms. Bergfeld. 
they're both in the same, hitting off of the same towers they were in the middle of the night. Okay, and how long was that conversation, if there was one? 240 seconds. Okay, so based on your based on your training and experience, that was a conversation? Yes. Okay, then, so that was him calling her. Correct. Then 45 or so minutes later, she calls him. Same towers? Yes. And was there a conversation there? 327 seconds, so I would say yes. Okay. And then he calls her about half an hour later. Same, she's in the same tower, he's same city. Conversation? Yes. Just one moment, please. I would say on that one, he calls her, right? Is that where we're at? Yes, ma'am, the bottom there, one. No, it's like five seconds. So there, I would say that was definitely not conversation. Okay, Ms. Watson. And then same minute, looks like he calls her again. And if I'm reading that right, he calls her again at 1026 and then again at 1027. Correct. It looks like there's conversation at the 1027. How long? 666 seconds. Okay, and you're aware from the investigation that that morning they were arranging to meet? Yes. Okay, but they're still, he's still in the Aurora area and she's still at that crossroads yes. court tower? Okay. Uh, yes. Okay, so she's no longer at the one closest to her house. Now she's hitting off the tower closest to her work. Correct. Okay. Um, and then the next one's about 15 minutes later? Yes, the 1043, sir. And that's her calling him, it looks like? Yes. Conversation? Uh, 1,169 seconds, yes. So yes, and she's now hitting off a tower in Clifton. He's still in Aurora, so what does that mean to you? Both of them have moved towers, so they're moving. Okay. Phones are moving. And she's moving what direction? She's moving east. Okay. Ms. Watson, please. 11.05, Beagler calls to voicemail, so no conversation there. Correct. And then 11.08, Beagler calls, and it looks like there's tower information on both. Was there a conversation? 143 seconds, so probable, yes. Probable. Okay. Short conversation? Yes. Um, she's now hitting off Palisade, and he's now hitting off Wheat Ridge, so she's still headed east? She's headed east and he's headed west. Okay. 1124. What is that? That's a phone call from Ms. from Ms. Bergfeld to Mr. Carruth. She called him? Yes. Okay. Was there a conversation? 72 seconds, so maybe. Okay. Possible voicemail, possible short conversation? Correct. Okay. And she's now hitting off a tower in the back. So she's continuing east. And there's no cell, inf cell tower information for him? Uh, I don't believe so, no. Okay, so probably not a conversation, then possibly a voicemail? Maybe. 
You can't. Unable I to can tell. look. Okay. And investigator, I know you're looking at your copies of stuff. Is everything you're looking at contained in those records in those Manila envelopes? You just yes. have them marked up with. I your... have them marked up with all kinds of numbers. I'll tell you, his is three oh five. If that's what you're looking for. And his cell phone records um, came in differently, so they don't have seconds, they have minutes. It says one minute. Okay. Nevertheless, 1124, the first communication between the two of them is her reaching out to him, her trying to get a hold of him. Yes. Okay. And she's still headed east. Yes. Okay. Um, two minutes later, another Coraluzo and says Correct. Sarzosa. So this is the, Miss Sarzosa, this is the one that you said is a home phone? Correct. Okay. So. They're not being tower information on that. That's because it's a home phone, not because of any, not not because of their the phone being off or something like that. Correct. Okay. Do you know if a conversation ensued there? Eleven seconds. I doubt it. Okay. Um, so she's still hitting off the Debec Tower. Correct. Um, 1128. That's Mr. Carruth now calls her back. But that goes to voicemail. Okay, so no conversation. She's now hitting off parachutes, so she's still headed east. Correct. Okay. Ms. Watson? Can you go back um, a minute? Yes. You sounded hesitant. What? I did. Um, actually, that call went to voicemail, so there is so there is no um, tower on that one. I can tell you, I just found a mistake. That, okay. There's a call before that that hits off parachute. So, okay, so she does hit off of a parachute tower at an earlier call. At what? that exact same time, about ten seconds earlier. It's, Who was it's the a, earlier call with? I don't know. But it, there was no conversation. Correct. Well. It was, it was a call that I did not have identified. Is, is it not any of those numbers that... It's none of these people. Okay. Um, Ms. Watson? Okay, so we're now a little after noon, 12, 1230. A little after 1230. Okay. Okay, so that is, it says home phone, so again, that would not have tower information because it's a landline. Correct. Calls her cell, goes to voicemail, straight to voicemail apparently, with no tower information? At 12.31? Yes, ma'am. No. It actually must have rang and went through. What tower? 158. Hold on just a second. Looks like a tower in Eagle. Okay. So she's now... In or close to Eagle, close enough to, to hit off of an Eagle Tower. Correct. Okay, 1245, Ms. Bergfeld calls Mr. Beagler. Do you know if a conversation occurred? 47 seconds. So I, I don't know. Okay. And it says on there, 
her tower location is eagle, but that he doesn't have any? Correct. Um, why would that occur? I, I don't Possibly know. It's just not. It's just not on the records. Okay. Um, okay. Then it looks like there's three with Mr. Carruth. Correct. Twelve forty-six, twelve fifty-one, twelve fifty-three. Do you know if a conversation occurred during any of those? Forty-six, fifty-one. Maybe on the fifty-one, because it's about one hundred and thirty seconds. The other two are very short. Okay, and as, a, as I'm understanding this exhibit, he called her the first time, but then she called him twice. Yes. Including after the one that you think a conversation occurred. Yes. Okay. She's still an eagle. There's no tower information for him available. I don't believe any of his records had tower information, and I will double check. His records are. Um, a different kind of records, they're billing records, so they don't have tower information. Okay. Ms. Watson, the next slide. So she, 1253, she calls him again. Correct. In Eagle. Correct. And then at 1255, he calls her back. Correct. I'm guessing based on those numbers, either the conversation at 1253 was very short or, or it didn't happen because two minutes later he's calling her back. What about 12.55? Was there a conversation then? No, that was 20 seconds. Okay. Would that even be trading voicemails, or would that just likely be It could a, be. It could be. Could be trading voicemails? Sure. How long does it typically take for a caller to make a call, for it to connect, for the voice message, I guess it depends on how long the voice message is, and then for someone to leave a message? I mean, what right. It depends on the length of the message, as you heard on some of the voicemails. Some people are just... I call me back and click, and other people spend some time talking. It, it, it depends. But 20 seconds, does that seem My thought process is by the time it takes the phones to connect, 30 seconds or under, very unlikely you have much converse, any conversation. Over 30 seconds, it depends. Anything over a minute, that's more likely you could have conversation or a very long voicemail. Okay. Um, 13.06 in, in layman's terms, that's 1.06 p.m.? Correct. Okay. Uh, she calls Mr. Beegler. You're She's at about 64 seconds. I'd possible voice message, just based on the amount of time. Right. Okay. Uh, Ms. Watson, next. Okay, so is this just a map of those tower locations that you just talked about? Yes. Okay. And they, they would support the idea of her going to Eagle to meet somebody? Yes. Okay. Anything else unusual about them? No. Okay. Uh, Ms. Watson, how about the next one? Lots of Coralusa sarzosa on there. Yes. Okay. So, 1340, 1341, it says two voicemail. You're able to tell that from the records? Yes. And then 1342, does the conversation occur? I don't believe so. I think it just runs through. 
Okay. And then it's I guess, 18 seconds. So unlikely based You're on what correct. you previously said. 1343 to voicemail, 46 to voicemail, 56 to voicemail. Correct. Okay. So at no point at any of these does Ms. Bergfeld call back to Mr. No. Coraluzzo. No. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Watson. Next, please. Okay. Where are we here? Again, uh, so this is now 2.26 p.m.? Yes. Okay. So this is her home phone. Again, there would be no cell site information. Do you know if a conversation occurred? It's 101 seconds, so likely. Okay. Um, and then, can you explain the rest of those? Um, 1430 and 1505, Mr. Coraluzo using Ms. Sarzos' phone calls Ms. Burkfell's cell phone again. Both of those go to voicemail. The 1515 call is 22 seconds long. Again, it connects through to the phone, but it, it clearly is probably not conversation. 1516, uh, Mr. Coraluzo again calls Ms. Burkfeld and it goes to voicemail. At 1531, uh, Mr. Zoto calls Ms. Bergfeld's um, Models Inc. phone. All of these are to all the bottom, the black and the purple ones are to Models Inc. phone. Um, and that go also goes to voicemail. And then 1532, Mr. Corluzzo again calls Ms. Bergfeld and it goes to voicemail. Okay, so Mr. Zoto calls, but no conversation as well. Correct. And still no conversation with Mr. Corluzzo as far as your opinion? Correct. Okay, thank you, Ms. Watson, please. Okay, we are now on to now just before 5 p.m. Correct. Okay, so what are we looking at? So at 4.45 p.m., uh, Ms. Bergfeld's home phone calls. Ms. Bergfeld's cell phone, it goes to voicemail. There's another phone call at 4.55 from Mr. Coraluzzo, which goes to the voicemail. And at 5.22, Mr. Dixon calls Ms. Bergfeld. It goes to voicemail. Uh, but Ms. Dixon, Mr. Dixon's cell phone records show that he's in Pennsylvania. Okay. At 542, um, Ms. on Mr. Jones's records, it shows his sister calls his cell phone, and he is um, his phone is near the 380 South Camp. Okay. So that, so that that pink one that's unrelated to Miss Bergfeld, that's just because you were able to tell where Mr. Jones was. Correct based on his cell site location? Correct. Or at least where his cell phone was? Correct. Okay. And then at 6.38 p.m., Motel 6 calls to the Models, Inc. phone, and it goes to voicemail. And at 6.39, the uh, track phone calls to Ms. Bergfeld's Models, Inc., and it goes to the voicemail, and you've seen the maps of this call. The okay. So the Walmart track phone, that was one of the maps that you were talking about that Walmart phone was in Grand Junction and Ms. Bergfeld didn't get any cell tower information? Correct, because it went to voicemail. Okay. Um, Ms. Watson? Okay, so 6.52 p.m. It says Bergfeld calls to check voicemail. Does this appear from your view of the records to be the first time other than possibly talking to her kids or talking to somebody from her house phone? that she is now on the phone doing stuff since she arrived in Eagle? Correct. Okay, so she calls her voicemail. What were the voice, what were the calls prior to this that went to her voicemail? Ms. Watson, can I have you back up one slide, please? All of those we just, a bunch of them we just went through. Okay, so the 
track phone. Now, what, would a most recent call be the first one you would get on voicemail? If you leave somebody a voice, if let's suppose there are three messages left on your voice machine and you call it, what order are they coming into you on when you listen? Um, according to her voicemail messages, it's the most, it was when I listened to them, the farthest came and then you got to the most recent. I think that would depend on the phone you're using. Okay, so you're, well, so, well, you know from these phones, right? Because on her. I know who, I know who would have gone to voicemail, yes. So on her voicemail, when you listen to the recordings. Yes. Was it the oldest or the newest that came, that was played first? The oldest. Okay. So if, for example, Mr. Coraluzo left a message, his would play before the track Mr. Phone. Dixon, before Motel 6, before Walmart. Correct. Walmart would, be, Walmart would have been the last one that she would have heard based on these records if a message was left. Yes, because that's how it worked when I listened to her voicemail. Yes. Okay. Uh, Ms. Watson, if I could have you go to the next slide. Okay, so she calls and checks her voicemail. Yes. And then... Can't see that on, on her Models Inc. phone. On her Models Inc. phone, and then what's what does she do next? She makes some phone calls. Okay, so the most the last one she heard would have been Walmart if they left a message. Yes. And who's the first? What's the first call she makes? Back to the track phone, the Walmart track phone. Okay. And I kept saying Walmart. I apologize. The the track phone. Okay. Yes. And so that's at so at six fifty two possibly around the time she's leaving Mr. Beegler from your understanding of the investigation? Yes. Okay, and then she calls the track phone at 6.55. Yes. She is where? Gypsum. Okay, so she's now headed, Gypsum is west of Eagle, is it not? Yes. Okay, so she's now headed back west? Yes. Okay. Um, and the track phone is? At hitting off that tower on Winters Avenue. And that's the one you, I think you said was closest to his house, Mr. Correct. Jones' house? Okay. Then the next call on there? Correct. Is? She actually gets an incoming call from Motel 6 to her phone. Is there a conversation? It's 45 seconds. I, I don't know. Okay. And that would have been, if a voice message was left, that would have been the second to last one, right? No, because once you check your voicemail messages, the reason that the voicemail messages that I retained don't have any of this is because once you get it, it goes away. It's no longer there. So That's not what I'm asking. Okay. Ms. Watson, can I have you go back one slide? May I approach on her? So, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So in the order of, she would have, so she would have listened to this one last, this one second to last, this one, this one third to last, this one fourth to last. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And so just for the 
the record, I was pointing to the Walmart track phone last, the Motel 6 second to last, Mr. Dixon's call third to last, and Mr. Coraluzzo's call fourth to last, assuming they all left messages. Thank you. Correct. Uh, okay, so the Motel 6 calls, calls her again, and you don't know if there's a conversation based on the time? Correct. It's 45 seconds. I, I don't know. And she is now in... Oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Watson. Can you go to the next slide? She's in um, Glenwood Springs. Okay. Continuing west towards... Back towards Grand Junction. Towards Grand Junction. Okay. Ms. Watson, please, next. Okay, now 742. Mr. Dixon calls Ms. Bergfeld. Correct. So she is where? She's in Glenwood Springs hitting up. Her phone is hitting off a tower in Glenwood Springs. He's hitting off... His phone is hitting off of Tower in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. Okay. And is there a conversation? Yes. How long? 895 seconds. Okay. So 900 seconds would be 15 minutes? My math is right. About 600 there. is 10? Yes. Okay. So a little less than 15 minutes? Correct. Okay. Then next is Motel 6. Correct. Calls her to voicemail. And it goes straight to voicemail. Okay. Uh, so his wouldn't have any, so the Motel 6 wouldn't have any tower information because it's a landline and hers wouldn't because it went straight to voicemail. Correct. Okay. Um, then her home phone calls, that's the personal her cell? Her personal cell, okay. yes. And it's about 78 seconds, so I don't know. Possibly a short conversation? Possibly. Okay. And she's hitting off of a tower in Glenwood Springs still? Correct. Okay. It's the same tower in Glenwood Springs. Okay. And then one minute before 8 o'clock p.m.? Correct. Ms. Bergfeld calls Mr. Beagler. Okay. And her, she's on a tower in parachute. In parachute. And, and his isn't listed. Again, it's one of those ones where I contacted the company because that's a company I had not dealt with often, and they just said, if we don't get it, we don't get it. Okay. Could be just a bad area of the mountains driving back? Don't know. Don't know. Okay. Um, 808. Ms. Watson, I'm sorry. Next one. Thank you. Okay. Bergfeld calls Zotto home phone. Correct. You're aware of the investigation of Mr. Zotto? Yes. You guys review his home phone records? Um, we know we his home phone. What, what, was, what were you guys looking at with his home phone records? Um, he has an ankle monitor that attaches to his home phone. Okay, so he was calling from his home phone and... We know that. We know he was at home. From the records, he didn't leave his home. Correct. Okay, but she did call him. Did they talk? Um, yes, they, well, about 150 seconds, so yes. Okay. 10-10. Um, <coughs> I'm sorry, 8-10. 8-10 p.m. Correct. So she calls back to the Motel 6. Yes. Do you know if a conversation happened? 145 seconds, I would say yes. Okay. Um, so as far as calls she's made to people in the Grand Junction area, she has called the track phone? Correct. She's called Mr. Zotto? Yes. And she's called Motel 6? Yes. In that order. In that order. Okay. And Mr. Zotto, you said never left his house. Correct. Okay. Uh, 8.13 p.m. 
At 8.13, Ms. Bergfeld calls uh, Mr. Corluzzo at Ms. Serzozo's phone. And there's a 132nd conversation. Okay, and so going back to that order of messages, the order of messages, the most recent one that she would have gotten would have been the track phone, the next most recent would have been the Motel 6, and the next most recent would have been that phone, if, if a voicemail is left? Say the question again. I'm not sure I'm understanding the, how you're ordering it. So when she's listening to the voice messages, the last call she listens to before she hangs up is going to be the track phone, the voice correct, message. Correct. The next one is going to be Motel 6. Yes. And the next one is going to be Coraluzo Sarzosophone. On that phone, yes. Okay. So we are in, in the order of, of those, what she would have heard most recently as far as who she's now calling back. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Um, conversation happens on that 813 call? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Ms. Bergfeld calls Ms. Beegler at 8.31. Yes, sir. M Mr. Beegler, I'm sorry, I think I said Ms. Beegler. Oh. Uh, Ms. Bergfeld calls Mr. Beegler. Still, he's not hitting off of any towers. And it was only an 18-second phone call. Okay, so, so probably not a conversation. Probably not a conversation. And she's now hitting off of a Palisade Tower. Correct. Okay, Ms. Watson. Okay, 8.36, she is... She calls to check her voicemail, okay. Um, and she's now heading off of a Clifton Tower? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, 8.37, she calls Mr. Beegler again. Again, still nothing for him, right? Correct. Now because, it says, again, it's also a very brief, like, 18-second conversation. Okay. And it says 688 and a half, 29 and a half road. Yes, sir. I'm assuming 29 and a half road, you didn't, you didn't put anything on there as far as that being Grand Junction, but you were referring to Grand Junction? Yes, I'm sorry. It's, yeah, it's up near the interstate on Grand Junction. Okay. And a Fruitvale area? Uh, North Grand Junction area. North yes. Coast. Okay. Um, no conversation there? No, sir. Well, I doubt it. Okay. 845. She calls him again? Correct. That's a nine-second conversation, so I don't believe there's conversation nine. there. But he's now getting tower information. Correct. Okay. And he's in Golden, which is, again, back east. So he's, con from the records, it appears he's continuing east, she's continuing west. Correct. Okay. And then 857, that one is in italics. Correct. Why is that in italics? That's the last completed phone call on any of her records. Okay. Um, and... That is the call you testified earlier. You looked at a map that had the yellow dot where the traffic accident was? Correct. And you showed where a tower was on that? Correct. That's the call you're talking about? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, conversation there? Yes, 510 seconds. Okay. It's about eight minutes. And you're familiar from the investigation that Mr. Beegler said she was complaining about an accident?
that that would have been the a, a length of the first phone call that those two had that they had any sort of conversation since they left correct okay and that was the last contact anybody's had with her as far as your understanding of the investigation yes okay. out of out of all these records out of all these calls uh, Ms. Watson, if I can have you go to the next slide. Okay, and is that just a picture of the, a, a map of the towers going back and the times? Yes, these are, these are the times that her phone is hitting off of different towers, which clearly shows she's leaving the Eagle area and coming back to Grand Junction. Okay, and that ends in Clifton, but there was some later stuff, but that's just sort of the from Eagle to Clifton version? Correct. Okay, and then the last slide, Ms. Watson, if I could have you go to the last slide. So there's a few calls after that, after anybody's last contact with her. Correct. Um, 21-21, that would be 9-21 p.m.? Yes, sir. Okay, and that is home calls personal cell to voicemail, so I'm assuming from that no conversation. Correct. Okay. Um, the next one is... 953 home calls personal cell to voicemail there was a voice message that the that the timestamp said 956 p.m. is that possible that I mean how how would that timestamp say 956 do you recall that there was one of the kids was the one with the barking in the background right correct so do you know how it would be that 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 message system thinks it's 9.56 and this message system thinks it's 9.53? Or this call uh, thinks no, it's 9.53? I, I don't. Okay. Um, okay, and then 22.24, that's 10.24? Correct. The Motel 6 calls Bergfeld work cell to voicemail, and that's, is that the voicemail? At 11.07, home calls personal cell to voicemail, and that one, the timestamp, I think, on the disk said 11.08. But do you remember a call at 11.08 with the kids? I don't recall the time. Okay. But from your review of the records and the voice messages, it would be consistent that that 11.08 call from the kids would match up with yes. this? Okay. And was that the extent of the calls that occurred with Ms. Bergfeld's phones on June 28th? Involving these people, yes. There were others? There were some other calls that I didn't identify through my record. Did any conversation occur during any of those? I don't know. And when did they occur? Specifically on the 28th? Yes. Is that what you're asking? Okay. Yes. There's a call early in the morning on the 28th at like 12.51 a.m. Um, that there's some kind of conversation of 185 seconds to a number I don't know. There were a couple people we identified as witnesses in this case um, who had some conversation with her earlier in the day on the 28th, uh, lim short conversations. Are all of these, are any of these on her model's ink phone? Yes. Which 
that that's the ones I'm telling you about right now. Okay. Okay. Um, Which witnesses? A Kristen Woods. She talked to her a couple times. I have an unknown number, a couple unknown numbers, for like 42 seconds, 67 seconds. When did those occur? Uh, well, I, okay. So, at 12:26 on. 12.26, there's a 56-second one. P.M. or A.M.? I'm sorry, A.M. At 12.39 A.M., there's a 43-second one. Um, at, and then there's a, the 185-second one at 12.51 A.M. There's two to an unknown number uh, for 30 seconds each at about 6 A.M. When you say to an unknown number? Meaning, that I, I didn't have that them. number identified. No, they, they called, called her. her at 6 a.m.? Yes. Okay, no conversation? 30 seconds. Your opinion is I, I, I Highly like, unlikely that there was conversation. Okay. Then there's the Christian Woods. Um, then there's the 67-second one occurred at about 11.30. A.M.? Yes, sir. And 11.37 a.m., a 42-second one. Who are those with? Don't know. And a 27-second one at about 1.30, a message was left on her phone. But there's no return calls to those. Okay. And that's it? On that phone. There are some calls on her personal phone at about uh, one at 9.16 a.m., one at nine eighteen a.m. and one at nine twenty one a.m. Conversations? Um, possibly, yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, um, probably conversations and much of them, she's calling them. And um, 74 seconds, 161, 123. There's ones at, there's several there in that 9 o'clock hour. There's like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 total. That, of people she called? Uh, some she called, one called her. There's a call to the Palisade Pharmacy um, to her at 11.17 a.m. on the personal cell. Conversation? 49 seconds. There's a 98-second call from her to a number that I don't know at 12.18. P.m.? Yes, in the afternoon. There's, another, uh, there's one to... A 79-second one at 12.30. There's one, two, three, four more in the 12.30 hour to numbers I don't know to her home phone. She's calling them. 
there's one, two, three, four calls by by other, no, one of them's to her home. So there's three calls uh, at around 3.30. into her personal cell by, by other people. One of them is 205 seconds, so I would say that's likely a, um, a conversation. And there's one at 7 o'clock to her personal cell from a, a number I don't know. And that's 194 seconds. Okay. And that's it? Yes. Thank you, Your Honor. I have no further questions okay. for the witness at this time. Thank you. Cross-examination, Mr. Cole. Okay. Thank you so much. You can proceed whenever you're ready. Thank you. Mr. Rubenstein, did you want this back? Uh, I think it was it just in the other... It was with the others, Your Honor. It's it should all be admitted. Okay. Thank you. Hello. Approach the witness, Jeff. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm going to show you what's been marked as. Exhibit 468. Anywhere on them, do not text. No. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I'm not sure we picked you up. I think your question. Oh, she got you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I. I was confused when you testified before. I thought maybe you did because you, you made it sound like, you know, unless you're spe specifically invited to text someone, it doesn't happen. I mean, a text is you type in a phone number and you type to it, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So if you have the phone number for Models, Inc., you can text them, right? I would say you can. Okay. Uh, now, I just want to be real clear. My understanding of what you're saying is you got no information related to text from Verizon. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Verizon is the phone company responsible for the Models Inc. phone and for the personal phone, right? Yes. Okay. The emergency order for the phone information, which is the one that was done by Investigator Norris, right? Correct. The information that came back from that had no text message information with it, no SMS data, I believe it's called, right? Correct. And I can double check. I don't believe so. Okay. Go ahead. Double check. Please double check. 
Okay. So we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Order had no text information, right? Correct. Are you going to check it again? No, what I was going to check was he had some forms that he filled out. He asked for calls. That's what I was checking. He has a form he has to fill out, and he asked for calls. And he asked for calls, right? List of all calls. Yes. And you did not. Text messages since they were never asked for in the emergency order, right? Correct. Now, after that, you go out and you do the search warrants for the records for Ms. Bergfeld, right? The court orders, yes. Court orders, sorry. And the court orders get you more records from Verizon, right? Yes. And unfortunately, the court orders are what get screwed up repeatedly, right? Correct. Okay. Because you get stuff, it's not complete, you have to go back to them, that's not complete, you have to go back to them a third time, right? Correct. And so, the stuff that came through fast didn't ask for it. The stuff that was done more detailed was all screwed up. And now, I mean, now, we're nine years later, and... They haven't existed for a long time at this point, right? Correct. Okay. So, the fact of the matter is, you don't have any text messages. Correct. But, you don't know for a fact that there weren't text messages back then. Correct. I don't know that. Okay. And, the fact of the matter is, anybody could text, any, well, anybody with a phone, I guess, could text somebody and set up an appointment. I mean, that's a possibility, right? Correct. Okay. The focus... focus of your investigation starts with and continues through your work, specifically with the cell phones, on the cell phones and the cell phone tower data, right? Yes. You can't do any work with text messages because you don't got any, right? You, you, yeah, and you don't get tower with that. You would get the text log, but not a tower. You right. don't get any towers. With text. One, if you go fast enough, you get, you get the actual message, right? Yes, we would have been, by the time I was even applying for that, was past the time frame that they would have had that. Right. By the time you're even able to ask because you're not on the case on June 28th, right? Correct. So by the time you're even in a position to ask, the content of them, those messages are gone already. Correct. But when you're on it, maybe the data that the texts were sent existed somewhere. It, it looks like a call log. It's a text log. It looks like that. But it doesn't have cell tower information. I understand. But okay. it would at least... Yes, you would, you would have that. that a text went back and forth. Correct, right? correct. So we could at least cooperate that. Yes, sir. Right? Unfortunately, we don't know if that exists because Verizon couldn't get their act together with you, right? Correct. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> we'll see you back at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Please rise for our jury. For the record, our jury's left the court. Anything else, Mr. Rubenstein? No, Mr. Colvin? No, sir. Thank you. We're in recess until 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs>